I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to another episode of The Wocast. Joining me as always, my Cody, it's G. Sapase. Oh my God, not too late, but I'm, I'm, I'm out of it. I'm exhausted. I'm sleepy. I, I'm on my second cup of coffee. It tastes like water. The caffeine has not kicked in. How are you though? I'm exceptionally well, I must say, having slept through the main card, I went to bed, as you probably know from Spaces, um, after, well, what I was actually waiting up for, and that is Fiziev um, versus Bobby Bobby Green. But mm -hmm. um, just backtracking, just actually uh, rewinding ever so slightly, Spaces was lit last night, and thank you for hosting um, Spaces, which... You know, yours is a little bit different. Twitter Spaces, um, I found to be very much of an echo chamber. Yours isn't. You invite people really? in there with differing views. You invite people in there who basically don't reflect like the consensus and the status quo. And I like that. I like the fact that, you know, these are people who have differing kind of like um, points of opinion. So just on Twitter Spaces last night, obviously um, we had a few shenanigans. We had a few popping <laughs> in differing views i mean you just give us a quick recap in terms of what we both experienced and then maybe go into what happened after i left man well we had someone jump in the spaces and, and i'm a little bit confused with the concept he was trying to push because you know he started to backtrack like a motherfucker but he brought in the spaces that the, the reason why the UFC underpays their fighters and, and hangs bonuses over their head mm. is so that they can fight harder or that they can be, you know, even hungrier. And the whole room erupted because, bro, that's just dead ass wrong. And of course, that's why the UFC is doing that. So why the fuck would you come in here and defend that and sound like some Dana White, you know, nut hugger? or someone that is for the organization rather than the fighters who entertain us. But once we started to get his ass about that take in true bitch ass fashion, he started to just, Oh, I don't support that. No, no, that's not what I'm saying, but yes, this is what kind of what I'm saying. And he just kind of started to piss me off. So thank God KGB could co-host and kind of throw him out, bring him in when, you know, <laughs> when it was better, but Mike, you were there. What did you think of that contentious take? Well, I thought, that my question cleared up quite a lot of um, <laughs> my perception of this particular individual because it made me think that maybe this was somebody who joined the sport, you know, maybe in the last few years and last couple of years. And he confirmed that when I asked, you know, how long have you been reporting on this sport? Because he was from a uh, an MMA outlet. That's what it looked like on the face of it. Now, for me, it explained a lot in terms of his take. It explained a lot in terms of the confusion. It explained a lot in terms of giving an opinion and having it circular and going around the houses, then making mm -hmm. that same point over and over again. It seemed to be a little of immaturity in terms of yes. uh, discussion and the way that discussion works, i.e. make your point, back up your point with evidence. But more yes. importantly, 
be articulate. Now, a lot of this was missing. A lot of this was kind of like lost on this individual, which, mm-hmm. you know, I can understand maybe as he explained, he's very new to the sport, relatively new to the sport. So a lot of the nuances that you and I and but a lot Mike, of gathered in spaces know was lost on him. Here's the thing with that, Mike. I hear every word that you're saying, mm. but he was never going to tell us he wasn't like a new fan because they know damn well that new fans like when you go hard like that in the paint, it's frowned upon when you don't know much about the sport. So he knew to keep that. Oh, I've only been watching the sport for three years to himself because he knows that, like, you don't really sound knowledgeable being that you've only been watching this for three years versus pe- mm. versus a bunch of people in the room that have been watching it for 20, 15, 10 years. Yeah. And that's like basically the makeup of the Twitter spaces. You know, so when you come in there and you've only, you know, been watching for three years and you say something ludicrous, it kind of shows that you're a young new fan just trying to hang with folks that have been watching for a long time. And that can get annoying for us to sift through your naivety. And that's exactly what happened last night, Mike. And he was dragged. Well, you see, that, that's why I was really keeping very quiet because as you know, look, if I've had a bit to drink, I get a little bit dark. I get a little bit kind of um, aggy. I get a little bit kind of triggered when people are, I suppose, longing out what is essentially a short discussion. Now, I love the fact that you gave him the space. I love the fact that you gave him the breadth. I love the fact that you gave him the platform to make his point. I mean, unlike the uh, the previous um shenanigans that went on this is somebody who popped into spaces to have a go at kairos over something which oh, had happened hold on, in other spaces elsewhere let me brief the the, the listeners for this because they probably don't know what we're talking about kairos is such a ham online that like when he argues with people online they take it to heart and he, meanwhile he just moves on and, and and engages with someone else so i'll mm. hold the twitter spaces mike and the person that whose feelings are really hurt will show up in my twitter spaces and speak directly to kairos as if they're not in a room full of people and bring <laughs> the bullshit from their mentions or the little you know scuffle they had and bring it into my mentions and try to like beef with kairos and it's like me and you are already fiercely protective of him from working with him on the podcast podcast and he's loved online so when people do that yo they get jumped it's it's so crazy they get beat the (laughs) fuck up and yesterday um a british user came into my twitter spaces and i didn't even understand what he was saying mike but i knew he wanted to throw hands that's what i knew and kgb threw his ass right out yeah he he was on violence from the jump the way in which he was trying to bat up that's what we call it in this country bat up kairos it just seemed to me that he wasn't coming in there with any other intention apart from fighting and what made me laugh was this particular individual is local to me this is somebody who's literally down the road so when he was thrown out. I was like, no, 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 bring him back. I want to hear more because I've got a piece of my mind that I want to give him. I might even just pull up on his house as he's so local. So when I left the spaces, are you telling me that this individual didn't come back then? Oh, yeah. As soon as you were like, y'all, good night. I'm waiting for Fiziever, then I'm out. He came back in the spaces, but he didn't really, he wasn't really making any any sense. 
he he just wasn't a crowd pleaser as far as being a conversationalist. So we never really understood what the gripe was. And we wound up booting him out anyway. But I will <laughs> say, I will say this, Mike, is that Kairos definitely has some hate fans that show up in my uh, spaces. And it's pretty damn fun. But y'all, they just get kicked out so fast. Like you can't, we love this dude. You just can't come up in here with your crazy takes and continue fighting with my dude in my spaces, you know? What what makes me laugh though? That's why he will remain nameless because he's faceless online. He can't even be bothered to rock his own Abby. And at the end of the day, that for me is a true mark of a man and his conviction by which he stands by his views. If you're going to put a face to the name, to the Twitter handle, I've got more respect for you. So I think it's time, high time we move swiftly on, unless there was any other shenanigans that you wanted to bring up that happened again whilst I was catching some Z's. Well, if I can barely remember them because I was pretty edibleized last night. But if they pop up to mind, I'll be sure to discuss them, Mike, because last night was pretty wild. And I welcome anybody to join. And we're not going to beat you up or anything. And they're actually a lot of fun if you're a hardcore yeah. MMA fan. So oh, join us. 100%. Yeah. I just love and I have to underline this, the fact that it's not an echo chamber. Everybody has a right and a view and the platform on which to actually express themselves. And speaking of expressing themselves and on a platform, UFC 265 is now in the books. Man, I love that. The early prelims were fun. We're talking yeah. like finish after finish after finish. And in the time-honored fashion, again, I don't want to do the whole creeping death. I'm sure you don't want to do the whole creeping death, going through the entire card of what we thought. But I want to kind of like change things up a little bit and go through the card where we felt or where the moments were that made us both say, whoa. So you go first. On the prelims, what was the first aspect of this card or matchups or fights that made you say, whoa? Uh, no problem. No issue answering this. Miles John with that overhand Sockham type of punch, man, that landed right on Anderson Dos Santos's face. Mm. And here's the thing. He knocked him out with that punch in the third round. But here's the thing. I thought Anderson Dos Santos, there, it, was quite, it was kind of obvious that there was a striking discrepancy here. Dos Santos is good on the ground. Miles John yeah. got the hands and he's yeah. going to come forward mm -hmm. or he's going to counter you or come forward either or. And Anderson was like, listen, as long as I can see these shots coming and eat them, I'm coming forward on your ass. And I was proud of him. I even tweeted like, Anderson is getting hit a lot, but He's not going down. Okay, 30 seconds after I said that, Miles John put him down with a hard right, looping right hand, like uh, kind of like, um, I forget the name, my memory's a little off, but it was a beautiful right hand. And the best part about it is that finally, Dos Santos did not see this punch coming and he could not maintain and he fell apart in the third round KO. Beautiful performance by Miles John and very, a lot of fun for a prelim fight. It's what we want to see. We want to see action. We want to get excited on the early prelims with action, not decisions, not boring stuff. And Miles John delivered. And that's why it was really well match made um, mm -hmm. in terms of the lineup on the early prelims. I mean, they didn't skimp on quality in terms of ensuring that every single one of them ended in the finish, but also that there were stories going into quite a few of those. I mean, I'm going to get on to one, but before we leave Miles Johns and Anderson DeSantis, my pet hate, as you know, are overly friendly fighters, are people who be shaking hands. But these guys, Miles Johns and Anderson DeSantis, they were hugging mid-fight. 
it. Now, for me, that is a no-no. And I'm glad that Miles John shows levels, showed levels because as soon as he completed that hug, he was like, right, back to business. And body, head, the guy was out. I mean, Anderson DeSantis was um, in the sunken place after that. But I'm so pleased that, you know, Miles Johns was kind of like on brand in looking down at his felled opponent just to make sure, you know, the memes could come in with he dead. Please, yeah, I just um, choked on some coffee. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did, though. He did look dead. And then, the, the, I mean, it was flush. So he did, like you said. But yes, the early uh, prelims were kind of fire and kind of made me happy that I you know, consistently watched them. And I'm happy to see you being more consistent with watching prelims, Mike, and jumping in my spaces while watching them. I'm well, like a proud mother over here. Like, look at look at my man. Before he was just, oh, you know, you was bougie, just the main card. Now look at you. Yeah. You're in the hood. You in the bottom of the barrel with the rest of us watching that. You know, I love it. Oh, one hundred percent. And speaking of early prelims, for me, Manel Cap um, and Ode Ooh, Osborne. Bitch, you stole my own. next one. <laughs> you yeah. stole my next one. Go ahead. To make his own. <laughs> Ode Osborne um, was finished and to be finished uh, in such emphatic fashion by a flying knee is exactly what Manel Cape needed. Thank you. Everybody yes. was waiting for this guy to have his coming out party and it just wasn't yeah. being pulled off in the UFC. He came yeah. in, I think, on a high price tag and probably Dana White was giving him the side eye thinking, okay, when's this guy going to get started? He got started Absolutely. last night. But... Yeah. But I'm not hating because of the fact that Ode Osborne is a Jamaican who had his light shut out by that um, flying there. And even that was a, a subject of debate because people were thinking or people were saying and people were kind of displaying dismay in the timeline to say that Osborne uh, was protesting that maybe that might have been a little bit early. But a flying knee it was and the ref obviously saw his eyes roll back and that's why it was stopped and yes. stopped. Uh, yes. I personally think having actually rolled that back at least five times, that finishing sequence at the right point. But I, I, I don't think that this will be a popular opinion, but I'm just going to say it with my chest. Look, Manel Cap was supposed to have won that fight. Look, Ode Osborne coming in there with his nine and four record against Manel Cap. Mm -hmm. 16 and 6 the fact is they had to kind of make sure that their investment which like I say I think cost them a pretty penny to have this guy in the UFC I think they had to realize their investment and that's what they did last night with this matchup but props to him because at least he stays he's in there for another day or and an, another matchup and I'm pleased to see it but what do you make I was I was thrilled. I like uh, Manel Cap for um, a couple of reasons. I think he's rambunctious on the mic as well. If you notice, his post-fight speech was full of curses. He, one minute he's having a new baby, the next minute he's cursing somebody out and telling Dana, "I don't care that I miss weight. I want the fucking bonus." Yeah. And he's he's a ham on the mic. Like in 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 Ryzen, I believe. During a weigh-in, he slapped a former UFC um, fighter, UFC Creepy, when he fought him at Ryzen. And that shit just came out of nowhere. It was at the weigh-ins. Like, Manuel just slapped the man. And they started <laughs> fighting at the weigh-ins. Like, he's that, I think, um, viewers and, and you, new UFC fans are not familiar with him because of his Ryzen. But he's a perfect addition to the UFC because that knee is kind of what he does. That elusive footwork, the, the, the stance switching to confuse his opponent mm -hmm. is what he's good at and he's high level. And when he lost to Pantoja, 
I wasn't tripping because that's a hell of a fight and that's a hell of a debut. But when he lost to, what's his name again? Um, Mateus Nikolai, I was like, come on, Manuel, you better than this. And then when they gave him old Osborne, I was kind of like you, like, this is going to be a good fight, but Manuel, this is for you to capitalize. And I'm glad to see him do it. And yeah. a loss to Manuel Cap is not is nothing to own. It was a, it was a good fight. He was fighting well. He landed some really hard, significant shots that were very impressive. Old looks like he can contend in the UFC and just took a you know a hard loss. And Mike, the ref did see something that maybe fans didn't see because yeah. when I rewatched the knockout, I did see his eyes rolling his head, and and that was good enough for me to call it. But if mm -hmm. you didn't see that moment, you're probably going to think it's a bit of an early stoppage, but it wasn't. Yeah, one hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. Right, moving on with the prelim card. What else made you say well? Oh, what else made me say well? How about this fight made me want to cry? Uh, Carolina uh, Kowakiewicz versus Jessica Penne. Mm. I thoroughly believe that the UFC gave her Jessica Penne so that Carolina could, you know, showcase her striking and win the fight. That's how this fight was set up for her. And instead, I don't understand why Carolina followed someone who is good on the ground to the ground, Mike. Mm -hmm. And then you saw what happened. Jessica Penne slowly but surely just started to win the scrambles. Then she started making decisions on the ground and she started being a step ahead of Carolina. And then finally she flipped some type of switch. I don't know what, what she did, but next thing I know, I was like, oh shit, she's going for an arm bar. She's made a change. She's made a change. She's, Carolina is in, is in even more danger. And I'm sitting here like, I'm, I'm shook. I'm scared. I'm about to cry. And then Carolina taps and i'm just devastated carolina looked like she was gonna cry you know backstage she had a hard cry i heard mike on her ig story she cried you know let the fans in on her emotional state and was crying yeah and i think she's gonna get cut i think the game has moved on from her i think when you're getting beat by jessica penny and you're on such a losing streak you've been exposed and you just can't cut it anymore and it sucks because it's fucking carolina who doesn't like her yeah she's she's <sighs> A lovely individual, right. but the fact is she is now five losses deep in a row as well. Mm. For me, you've got to be a spectacular performer. You've got to be close to the Fatitas or Dana White in order to keep your job after so many losses. I mean, we've seen it with Dan Hardy. Okay, he's no longer in the UFC, but I'm saying that there are special cases out there. I don't think Kovacavich is going to be one of those special case cases. I found it a little bit kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I, I struggled to watch her crying on her IG. So I quickly yes. shuffled past that. It was replicated on Twitter because I don't have IG. So right. it was the same video, but- I uh, haven't I seen it. I don't want to see it because, yeah, because just to see her standing with the referee and seeing Jessica Penny's hand get raised, yeah. you could tell she was on the verge of tears. And that was enough for me. I'll take mm. the, your word and Twitter's word that she was crying on IG. She's just, she just seems like such a lovely lady. She's non-problematic. She does her job. She's hella professional and fans like her so to see her cry really ain't up my alley you know yeah yeah okay bobby green and Raphael fizzier fizzy to his mates this i was waiting for all night because <laughs> i've seen what he did with mark diacasey and Raphael fizzier i was hooked on this guy's performance and every single time that he has performed since then i have been there for it and a spectacular performer he is too because not only is he a showman but he loves to talk just like bobby green mid-round mm -hmm. and this 
I think was the perfect matchup because what a display of striking prowess. What a display of just like hard, hard hitting strikes, both to the body, to the head, mm -hmm. both men. But Bro, the combinations, the combinations he was throwing. Man. Just so beautiful and just so textbook Muay Thai. Like if you love Muay Thai or if you take Muay Thai, beautiful. you just want to, you just want to bust when you watch Fazeev fight. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, he is yeah. Muay Thai all day. But go ahead. I interrupted Mike. Go ahead. I was about to say that it was clear to me that um, Bobby Green knew he was down two rounds. His, his, his corner was telling him, look, you lost that round. You lost that round. And I love the candidness in which, you know, um, they, were, they weren't actually spoon feeding them. They weren't mollycoddling. They weren't actually, you know, treating him like a baby. They were like, mm. you need to pull out all the stops now. And he tried that in the, in the third. And I, I personally think he took the third. So I was a bit shocked. Me too. By the, the decision. Yes, um, Raphael put on a striking clinic, as you say, with the Muay Thai, beautiful. Oh, gestures, my God. Hand movement, hand speed. The, yes, the, the combinations. The, the, the calf kicks it was beautiful right. and especially the body he was going to the body for yes and then also some head kicks in short range yes. just throwing up yes. his leg in such a short space was just amazing and like you said the body work was incredible keep yeah. going but mm -hmm. bobby green wasn't there to lay down that third round that was mm -hmm. beautiful that was like mastery in terms of how you actually try and like regain some composure and try and win the fight because the only way he was winning that fight after those two rounds was a ko or a tko which now, wasn't going to happen was wasn't gonna happen, but, yeah but for me i just love the tenacity of bobby green to say you know what i'm going to keep up this guy in terms of tempo and that was a solid round there's no way that he lost that but we went to the judges and um i don't, I don't know which judge it was but i think it might have been judge uh Judge uh, Helen Keller, or was it Judge, um, must be <laughs> Judge Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Stevie Wonder, right, what, Ray Charles. That judge was actually looking at, it must have been through dark glasses or with the help of a Labrador. I wasn't feeling that judge's, um, uh, well, that, that judge's score at all. Yeah, I, I don't agree either. I, and I also agree with you too, Mike. I thought uh, Bobby took the, the third round because his yeah. coach was like, yo, you got to get in his ass. And that's what he did. But nonetheless, Fazeev still won the fight. I thought he clearly won the first two rounds, but mm -hmm. it was just a really fun back and forth fight. And it wasn't close at all. But did no. both men put everything into it and throw the kitchen sink at each other? Yes, they did. But here's the thing. Raphael threw more combinations, more body work. He did a bit more. He hit a little bit harder. And also, too, he had the hardest significant shots, even though Bobby would catch him as well. 100%. You understand? So he looked like the winner. He looked like the somebody that won. And it was a fun fight. However, Mike, when we get to the listener questions, we got to discuss Fiziev in depth. And Cookie's going to help us do that. Or somebody that sent a question to us, we're going to discuss Raphael. So pause on that before we go too crazy on him. Okay. I've got some questions for you. All right. You know? So the main cards, uh, what were the runners and riders in, in terms of you? Do you want to go first? Which one um, made you say, whoa? Yeah, I'm just going to jump right into uh, Luque just, you know, shutting Michael Chiesa the fuck down. And I mm. loved every second of it. And the reason why I loved it is because at the last minute, I had trouble picking this fight, Mike. At the last minute, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with Chiesa because... I think he's a bit of a brute in this weight class. And although Luque is a black belt in jujitsu and that his striking is far better than Chiesa, Chiesa is really good at not getting hit anymore, bum rushing you and taking you to the ground where he belongs and where he, 
you know, does well, which means she has a fight to his strengths. He reminds me of Luke Rockhold once he gets that body lock. Once yeah. he gets you on the ground, my brother, you're not getting up. He's Luke Rockhold 2.0. You know what I'm saying? He's yeah. just Luke with, with the chin, and he knows to protect his chin better than Luke. But once that body locks on you and he's on your back, typically the fight is over. The problem is, is that I underestimated Vincent Luque's jiu-jitsu, and I overestimated Michael Chiesa's strength. I really thought he was just going to ragdoll him just merely off of his strength. And I didn't think he was going to get the submission because yeah. I know that Vincent Luque is a BJJ, but I thought the whole night was going to be Chiesa on his back and then he would mm -hmm. win like that. No, Luque reminded me that he is a BJJ black belt that doesn't always use it, but he's not just a BJJ black belt. He's been a black belt for a while and he's also really good at it. It's just that he prefers to use his hands. So we're not aware that he's also just as good on the ground. And yeah. that's what the fuck we saw, Mike. He locked up that submission while he was in trouble with Chiesa. And the fight was over. It looked smooth. And then Chiesa, in true Chiesa fashion, just he just has to leave and have a little tantrum. And he goes backstage. And I loved every second of it. And let's, you know, throw Vincent up the rankings and just Chiesa's still pretty good. But Luque was better period. No, you're right. And it, you know what? You've taken every single statement, every single sentiment, every single opinion that I had right out of my mouth, because there's nothing really I can really add to that. But just to say that the same kind of like misapprehension that you went into this fight with, I went- Oh, you had it too. Well, well, exactly the same, but I had the same kind of misapprehension going into the Tisha Torres and uh, Angela Hill fight. Ah. I thought that Angela Hill, given the big talk, given how she was quite venomous at the press conference, I thought that she'd be controlling this. Tisha Torres was clearly the stronger fighter. She was clearly the more accurate. She was clearly the more busy and she was clearly the more tenacious in terms of like marching down Angela Hill and like at every juncture, not only was she punctuating every single punch with a kick, she made sure that, you know, Angela Hill was on the back foot nearly every single round. And for me, I think that might've been a surprise in terms of the pacing and in terms of the ferocity of uh, Tisha Torres and that onslaught to Angela Hill. I think that she was kind of going in there thinking that she would be the one laying manners. She would Why? be having to um, teach Torres on, on, on the back foot because of, as I say, because of the venom in which she kind of like brought that kind of like talk to the uh, press conference. Oh, okay, okay. A different mindset going with this. Plus, you're hungry. It's been five months since you last actually performed. And right. you want to get one over, Tisha Torres, considering what you've been saying about her juicing and what you've been saying about, you know, you are basically going to give her both guns. I was very, very surprised at this out, out, well, outcome. Um, I was not at all. I picked Tisha with pride. I was like, Angela's not making it out of this. If, if you know, if Ashley Yoder was giving Angela Hill problems in their last fight, I was kind of concerned about her fighting Tisha Torres. Yeah. And also, let's not forget, Tisha's already beat her before. And yeah. Tisha beat her when she was not the fighter that she is right now. I feel like we're seeing Tisha kind of like in her prime. She's more confident. She knows how to fight to her strengths. And when they fought the first time, I don't believe that was the Tisha Torres that Angela fought. And, she, and Tisha still beat her at UFC 188, Velasquez yeah. versus Verdum. And Tisha mm. beat her then. Why would anything change? And I'm seeing kind of Angela Hill hit a peak here. Like she's good, but she's not getting any better. But Tisha is. So that's how I made my pick. And that's what I saw last night. Tisha was hitting her harder, hitting her more frequently. And I thought Tisha kind of was piecing her up, which was shocking because Angela Hill is like that Muay Thai fighter that we love with the elbows and the clinch and Tisha basically outworked her 
and ev- everything from top to bottom. And it was a, it was a good win. You know, I, I appreciated it. And I, and I feel not proud of myself, but I kind of knew Tisha was going to pull it off. Yeah. That was a pick. That was a strong pick for me. Like Tisha going to win this. Okay. What was the other one that made you say, whoa, on the main card? Let me see what made me say, well, first of all, um, I love Jose Aldo's performance against Pedro Munoz. I saw some people saying the fight was close. It wasn't at all. It was just a, you know, a unanimous decision fight where both men were contending with each other. But come on, Jose Aldo was coming forward, landing the harder shots. When he wasn't coming forward, he was countering beautifully. Um, In the third round, he turned it up and kicked Pedro's ass with the leg kicks. And he just came out of nowhere with the leg kicks. And stop saying... Jose Aldo doesn't kick. He's older now and he's war torn. He can't just kick the whole goddamn fight like he did with Uriah Favor. He's got to use it as a secret weapon or strategically as he's aging and he's doing it beautifully. And secondly, fuck every fan that ever said Jose Aldo was washed up. Mike, does he look like a washed up fighter? Hell no. Hell no. Thank and it's you. Funny you talked about, you know, what for me was the talking point of this. He looked like prime time Jose Aldo. Thank he you. looked as though, you know, he, he'd gone to the youth fountain. He looked shredded. He looked venomous in the way that he was marching forward, head down that Muay Thai stance. It was like, no way is Pedro Munoz coming out of this alive. My- I just love the return to the yes. next. That's why it was, was the narrative of this, because he'd actually put that on the shelf. You're right. We're not looking mm-hmm. at um 25-year-old um uh right. Aldo anymore. We're looking at an aged um Josie Aldo. But for and me, and war torn. He's not even that old. It's just that he's been fighting since he was like two. So we look at him like he's an old man when he's really yeah. not, but yeah. he just has so much fighting experience. But just because he changed up how he fights to match his you know, his war-torn body and, and just like his age, he's now fighting smarter because of it. He has made the proper adjustments. He's not fucking washed. He's beating Pedro Munez, uh, Moicano. He's, y'all are fucking crazy. And here's another thing, Mike. This isn't even his natural weight class. Remember when he went to this weight class, we were worried he yep. wasn't going to make it. Now yep. he's making weight like a champ. There's no videos of him struggling and he's coming out here and beating top contenders. Yeah, Man, Jose Aldo is the shit. I don't care. I don't care what Connor did to him in 13 seconds. This man is a goat. Okay. Mm. I tell you who who um is, is worthy of mention, but I'm not gonna go too deep in it. And that is Song Yadong um finishing well, decision anyway, uh Casey Kenny, because Thank God. Really, I, I just whenever I think of Casey Kenny, whenever I see his face, I just think of him on that video with uh, your man there yeah. talking in a misogynistic way. And um I'm glad that you know Song Yadong basically put a, a stamp on that whole scenario and drew a line in the sand for my man. It was like Here's something that you may want to actually be um, uh, taking back to your camp. And that is, you know what? When you actually go out there and you're representing us as athletes, you know, say the right thing, do the right thing, because you're going to have to come back to the cage and we will remind you of that with kicks, punches. And, uh, well, we're going to finish you. Yeah, I like... um... I like Song's performance. I thought he worked hard for this win. I'm also biased. I cannot stand Casey Kenny and his face. And, and it's, it's been ever since he went on that podcast and talked like yeah. that. Like, 
bro, please be quiet. Stop disrespecting her like that. And, 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 and again, Sean, whoever runs the podcast, take it out. We don't have to hear this shit. But anyway, we're, I'm digressing. Great performance by uh, Sonya Dong. I do want to see him make some more improvements. I want to see him get like a flashy knockout. I want us to remind us why we were so hyped when he first showed up. And yeah, when yeah. he in his debut or one of his fights, he's got a thunderous right hand and he hits pretty hard. I want more of that. I'm happy with this win. He needed this mm. as a confidence booster, but mm. I want to see more from him because he is a surging prospect that we talk about a lot and it's time for him to show it. And I want his team, Team Alpha Male, to step him up a little bit and get him out here and get us talking about him a little bit more. I don't want him going down this path of split decisions, fights going to a decision. He's a surging prospect that we don't need to forget about because he starts he needs to start laying some people out and get us talking yeah but good yep. performance good performance 100 agree with you and uh, mm-hmm. agreeing with you you need to take a bow you need to get up on the podium now and you need to get your flowers collect your flowers i'm giving you flowers now Derek lewis versus cyril gun for me i only know about cyril gun or knew about cyril gun because you kept talking about it you couldn't stop talking about and you said mike you got to watch the prelims you got to keep in touch with what's going on out there you mm-hmm. got to look at this guy cyril gun and now look at him 10 and 0 and the interim heavyweight champion and the first uh french champion from um obviously france but um <laughs> because of you i've been following this man's success and what he's done there and uh you know Props to Fernando um, Lopez. I mean, another uh, searing prospect with little or next to nothing in terms of prep, in terms of background, in terms of um, where he's come from as a fighter. And now look, another person alongside Francis Ngannou, who Fernando Lopez has actually brought to the fore and is a shining beacon of what can be done with uh, a bit of coal, turn him into a diamond. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was special from jump when I saw him on the prelims because I had never seen a heavyweight move like him. And that's what made me be like, oh, he might be a problem. No one in the heavyweight division fights like him. And may I say that I don't think I've seen anyone in other organizations as far as heavyweights move like him. And Mm -hmm. and I'm sure somebody can like, you know, test me on that because I don't know all every other organization. But I just my point is, is that he seems to be unique and young and he proves my point again mike that yeah. these fighters are coming correct okay you can't you can't just have one thing going for you anymore you can't just be a jiu-jitsu guy you can't just be a muay thai guy yeah. you have to be young and when you show up to the ufc you can't be like oh i gotta learn this i gotta do this no you have to be the best from the time you start on the early prelims until you yeah. get your interim title shot like like God. And that's what we saw. But speaking of his performance, the footwork was amazing. His patience right. was amazing. The way he controls distance and, and makes sure these fighters fight his fight. And there's something going on that when these fighters like Derek Lewis... Volkov, they train for 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 God. They watch video, and they're all they all feel like they're prepared to fight him, and feel like they figured him out. But then when they get in there, they look stupid. They look like, what the fuck is it? I didn't plan for this, or I can't hit the guy. And I feel like we saw that with Volkov, and we saw it with Derek Lewis. I can't name one significant shot or think of a significant shot that had me thinking Cyril was like, oh, that hurt him, or he's on Front Street, or. Nothing. Surreal controlled the fight. And then suddenly in the third round, he just had this burst. He saw an opening and he put the man down. And it was amazing. In the entire and, fight, he yeah. got off. 
he bust off at, I think it was around about eight shots, Derek Lewis. Yeah. Cyril Garn, we're looking at way over a hundred. His right. work rate was incredible. Plus his accuracy was fearsome. Every single time he shot out that jab, it connected so much so yep. that yeah, Derek yep. Lewis wanted to point to his eye and say, you've been poked in it. No, you've been punched in it. In the run-up to this, I know that this um, is cut and blended and edited in a way which is for our entertainment but it was clear that Derek Lewis was having some anxiety issues because even there was a scene where he was in the pre-fight meeting where you know um, the commentators get kind of like an inside track on how the fighters are feeling thinking and what basically um, they can use to color the commentary and Mm. one of the key and recurring things with Derek Lewis was him being under the spotlight him being you know obviously hometown uh, favorite hometown crowd but him um, calling on his team really to rally around him to ensure that you know he was there mentally because one of the things which I took away from this, it was clear that that was getting to him because just body language alone, there mm-hmm. was a lot of like clenched teeth. There was a lot of kind of like balled up fists in a lot of the shots with him kind of like fidgeting. Yep. He even said it, like I say, in, in, in the fighter meeting, in contrast to Cyril Garn, who was all smiles, laughing and joking around, dancing. He was prankish. And it just seemed like he was on a different level in terms of mental preparedness because he took that into the cage. If you saw him light on his feet, yes, we both agreed that for a heavyweight, this man moves swift. This guy moves incredibly swift, even more so than most middleweights. Now for me, right, that temperament, it was that kind of like um, outlook that won him the fight. Skill, ferocity, accuracy, and... He's technical, yes. Yeah, like, basically, a technical savvy fighter for the fighter that's not very technical. And yes, there are some technicalities to Derek Lewis, of course. He's fighting in the heavyweight division and he's a top contender. Obviously, he knows what he's doing. But what I mean by surreal non is that the footwork, the range, the movement, the, the, the game plan, that the coaches behind him, everything yeah. here is set in motion and set for him to do well. Mm. I'm going to say this right now, and it might even be controversial. I think he beats Francis Ngannou and anyone else they put in front of him. I think he's the epitome of the new school fighter that shows up and, and, and starts beating up some of the fighters and winning the fighters that we know and love. Like It's like that change of guard is going to happen with him. My question to you is this, because I'm struggling with this, Mike. I really am. Mm-hmm. I like Cyril Gar, obviously. And I like that he's technically savvy and a light mm-hmm. on his feet heavyweight. However, I'm still having fun with Derek Lewis and Francis Nagano knocking people to other motherfucking planets all sloppy yeah. and shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Who do you prefer as the king of the heavyweights? A more technical, savvy fighter that is not always going to be exciting or do you want to keep Francis in, you know, in charge and, and, and thumping it out with other Slava knocker type of fighters? I want Francis in charge. I want to see motherfuckers knocked out. I want to see yeah, exactly lined and drawn out on a stretcher. But, but, and that's what worries me about what you just said there in terms of, and there is a, a little bit of recency bias as well with mm-hmm. you, because see, we're gone. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I think that it would be the height of um, ill manners to say anything detrimental about his performance. But the thing that bothered me from round to round, I know it only went to, what, third, the, the um, third round. But third round, uh, yep. For me, I was worried because from start to finish, his chin was not tucked. His chin was out there. And I was thinking, when is Derek Lewis going to deliver that uppercut? Because don't get me wrong. 
I had Silgan winning going into this because of what I saw in terms of the angst and the anxiety and the 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 I don't think he was there mentally in terms of preparing in terms of preparedness because I watched every single embedded but it worried me when round one, one, round two, I was shocked and surprised that his corner didn't say, his chin is out there. You just have to just lay that on him. And it, it just didn't happen. It just did not happen. But yes, to answer your question, I do want to see Francis in charge because right? when that guy lands on you, it's lights out. He will and he's your right. button. I know he's got that cute personality and then he's everything you want from a heavyweight. The fights are short because he kills them in the first round or early in the second round. Like he is the ideal heavyweight champion and gone. Although he's talented, he's that new school aspect of things. So I, and then we just got Francis. He's like a new toy. Go away, gone. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and the crazy thing is, is that I cannot wait for gone to get even better because, bitch, that's what's going to happen. He's 10 and 0. He's only been, he's been fighting MMA for three, four years, but he's been a kickboxer for way longer than that. Don't let the announcers tell you that, uh, you know, he's just only been fighting for three years. Mm-hmm. He would be a phenom of, 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 of crazy proportion if that was true. Can you imagine if he just started a kickboxing class three years ago and it's now he's fighting narrative. Derek Lewis? It's, it's a good narrative. It's a good narrative, but cool it. It's MMA for three years, kickboxing for mad long since 2014. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it's why he, he's got the footwork. It's why his chin is up. It's why his hands are down, because the guy is originally a kickboxer. Yeah. But I'm still having fun of my t- new toy, Francis. Please, Francis, knock him out, even though I love Gone too, but I still want to have fun with you. So I hope he gets it done. And let's pray the drama between DC and Francis does not fuck up this whole situation. Surreal Gone needs to fight the true uh, um, heavyweight, and that's Francis. I don't want to hear nothing from Dana. I don't want no drama. You know, there's a certain element of crow to be eaten by myself in this. When mm. this matchup was made, I was like, why are you having an interim title? This explains it. And this explains it in no uncertain terms and really, really clear. We're having an interim title because look at this narrative now. He has not leapfrogged anybody. He has earned his shot. Basically, what he's done, he has killed Derek Lewis and shown himself to be a worthy contender. Plus, the narrative continues there because here we have now bad blood between Cyril Garn and Francis Ngannou, who used to train together, used to be training partners. Now, one has actually left the fold. Now, this is going to be an incredible narrative. You couldn't have actually scripted this if you tried. Incredible. Well done, Dana. Well done, UFC. No, um, well, pump, uh, hold your horses. I'm about to reel you back in. Hopefully I can. <laughs> um, the, this, the, the whole um, thing about the interim title was not necessary. The only good that that interim title did was make Surreal Gone so proud. Like after the fight, when he put the belt on his trainer, his trainer was going to cry. He just held it together until they got backstage. Like the man just couldn't even speak. He was holding the belt, looking down at it. Gone was cuddling with him. It was so cute. And yes, they Mm. were cuddling. I cannot stand American men. They feel like any form of affection between two men is like gay when it's not. Gone was like they were cuddling yesterday because they have worked so hard for this moment. I was happy for the interim um, title belt for that significant accomplishment for for, for Surreal. But it wasn't necessary. If Dana would have called this a motherfucking contender shot to fight Francis and we got the same results, we'd all be just fine with how the fight played out or whatever. We didn't need a belt, but the belt was good for Surreal's accomplishments. I don't think it was. I think this was a leverage move to bully Francis and I'm not supporting that. 
beg to differ. I love the aesthetics of this champion versus champion. You see what you're a bird. You're right. No, no, that you 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 called me out on it, and you're damn right. I love aesthetics, (laughs) and as you know, I love storylines. Plus, the storyline in this is undeniable. It is a fantastic story. The needling, the 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 rivalry that's going to be going into this champion versus champion. You you can't dispute that this champion versus champion matchup is going to be incredible. You could script this, G. No, you can't. You're right about that. It is exciting for birds like you and fans that need like this extra like, you know, umph. But a motherfucker like me, you could have called it a contenders match. I still would have watched it. I still would have been like, gone is the truth. But I did like it for one reason. Like I said, the moment between Coach Fernando um, Lopez and Surreal was just it was beautiful to see on yeah. my TV screen to see that like quiet little we did it. We mm. fucking did it. Like mm. we've been doing this since day one. When I met you, I didn't even know how to do MMA. And now you're standing next to me with a fucking interim title belt. Like you could see the pride between them and they weren't even really speaking. And it, and it, it made my heart warm. And that's when I was like, I like that he got this belt. It's making, yeah. it's giving me this mushy moment I need. You know what I mean? But yeah. we didn't need it, Mike. Come on. Come on. It, it was a, it was a, t- it, in, in all honesty, Mike, it was a title contention type. It was a title eliminator belt. You know, it was, it's, it's for the title. It's, it's whoever won that fight was going to fight for the title. We all knew it. I don't think we needed a shiny belt, but I feel you. I feel you. But Mike, <laughs> let's, uh, I'm excited because we have questions this week and okay, I want to just ready. dive into them. And I also have questions for you. So all right, gear up. So here we go. I want to start with, um, Brooklyn MMA. Hold on, hold on. I'm pulling up her wonderful question now. She said, and shout out to Steffi Haynes and hang in there, girl. You know me and you be talking, but hang in there. And thanks for the question. She said, what did you guys think of the weird vibes coming from the commentary booth, Dom and DC? Because they were pretty argumentative. And do you like them as a team? Mike, did you hear them arguing like some two married people on the verge of divorce? Yeah, I did. But isn't that what flipping Dominic Cruz brings to nearly every single pairing matchup commentary permutation? He brings needle. He brings argument. He brings this kind of like, I am the, I am the supreme knowledge here and you must bow down and kiss the ring. So it's no surprise that here we have, you know, an ongoing theme that is, just seems to be his brand. It, do you, but do you like, like that? You no, like that? It, okay. It causes me to turn down like I normally do. Turn there down because I ain't got time for that. I don't want to hear that shit. Yeah. And it must be hellish working with him because you're going in there trying to do your job, but you've got people or you've got a person uh, like some kind of like Woody Woodpecker bird on your neck. <laughs> you know this is what you're doing wrong. And this is what you're saying wrong. And no, I disagree. And this is my perspective. And my perspective is right. Nah, he's got time I- for that. I honestly believe that if Dom wakes up today and watches that fight and listens to it, he should be somewhat like embarrassed. Yeah. And it's not, and it's not DC. DC is literally doing his job and has to deal with the fact that someone's like that is incorrect. And this is what I think. And meanwhile, like the fans don't really give a fuck about what you think, Dominic. They want you to call out and use your knowledge for what you see in front of you, which is the fight, not argue with Daniel Cormier. And it seems like Daniel Cormier doesn't want to argue, but he's reeling him in. And I've seen, I've heard DC do it with um, Joe Rogan and Bisbing. And he does it with Rogan a lot. And you can tell that the people he's doing it with are not participating, but they're like, hey, what the fuck? What? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it seems like DC, Bisbing and Joe get just as distracted as us. And that just goes to show me that like, 
the problem is Dominic Cruz. It's Thank not you. them, e- even though they're engaging him and kind of like arguing with him. The, the, the problem, all fingers point to Dominic Cruz. And I wish yeah. he'd be a bit more professional and kind of leave his ego or small man, whatever his issue is, out of the booth. The fans mm. don't like it. And we're muting you, bro. Yeah, and, exactly. and, and, the, and the more I tweet about him, it's very rare that you see someone like when you tweet, oh, God, this guy again. Very few people defend him. I think mm-hmm. fans are kind of had enough of him and prefer him like analyzing things on YouTube, but not yes. live fights. And, and it's, it's just I really wish somebody would just put a bug in his ear to kind of cool it with the competing with folks. And I think it's the younger fighters. I one time saw Michael Chiesa do that to DC and DC had to sun him on the, like the post fight broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they, as men, I think they compete with the older guys that have been commentating for a while and they want to prove to them that they can hang. Yeah. But we don't, but but they don't know. We don't want to hear that shit. That's the problem. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Next question. Okay. Let's see. Oh, man, we almost kind of like discussed this already, but tired as fuck. I love that name. Wants to know, is there really any benefit to having all these interim titles? Yes. And keyword is benefit. Keyword is don't be going off on some bullshit. Keep benefit is the keyword. Mm. Benefits is as an organization, look, they have to keep it real in terms of, look, we've got uh, potential fans out there who will be lured in by the well by the prospect of this meaning something in order for it to mean something there's got to be a belt on the line there is a narrative which has been sewn from boxing belt mean bums on seat we know this the ufc know this so yes it is very very um well there, there is merit here and yes i love seeing it and i love that the whole concept of of um belts being on the line because in my mind it does give it that gravitas they're actually going for something this isn't just bragging rights this is a belt on the line so yes i love it and i agree with it i endorse it uh yes <laughs> listen, I want to crack jokes on you so bad. But listen, like you said, birds and new fans and casuals mm-hmm. and people that need that added like pizzazz need interim title belts. I think they're needed when a fighter is hurt for like two years or more, like an ACL injury and they're out for a while or when it's like a long term issue. Yes, I think an interim title is nice because the champ comes back to a new challenge and we made a big deal about an interim title belt. Yeah. But the way sometimes the UFC kind of uses them for leverage or the way like they don't respect them too. Tony had one. I don't know where they took it from him. Colby had one. They took it from him. Now you're not like, what's the point if you're going to snatch it from people and not really celebrate the fighters that get them in the first time, the minute they don't, you know, fight someone Dane wants them to fight. It's to me, you discredit interim titles, Yeah. but they do excite certain types of fans. So yeah, I mean, I I can handle just having unnecessary interim titles. I'm just going to kind of bitch on my page and watch the interim title fight and then <laughs> podcast about it. So I can't complain too much. So mm. it is what it is. And get used to it. Get used to more of them being used in a negative way or when they're supposed to be used properly. Like, it's just it now comes with the show. Yeah. So, yeah. Next question. We're going to cookie is killing us today. Thank you, girl. She said. Who do you want to see Fazeev and Green fight next since they put on such an incredibly talented fight? But I'm going to add a spin to that. Mm. Okay. Who do you think Fazeev should fight next? More importantly, sorry, Stephanie, I'm hijacking your question. And Michael, my question to you on top of that question Mm. is, do you you think Fazeev is a future champion or contender? I'm worried about his one-dimensional 
Um, I, I want to see him tested on the ground, which I've got a sneaking suspicion there is no ground game there. But saying that, I still, just to answer the first part of your question, I still um, want to see him enter the top 15 so that he can get some kind of like credible, um, so or so that we can see some kind of like um, test of this man's real metal when it comes to the ground game. Um, and, I, and I see that being Mateus Gamrot. I see Mateus Gamrot being really well-rounded and his stand-up game um, in particular, I think will be a problem for Raphael Fiziev. So that's who I'd like to see him face next. Uh, yeah, I think um, I'm totally... I'm totally 100% with you. It's why I asked that question. Mm. Although I am thoroughly entertained by Fiziev's performance last night and his previous performances because he is a Muay Thai king that hits hard. And yes. he's so experienced. He looks like he's been training and he also looks like a Muay Thai teacher. I bet you he trains other people. He looks legit in Muay Thai. I need to see him tested in other facets of MMA. I need mm. to see him like thwart a submission on the ground. I need to see him scramble and get back up to his feet because we know as he goes up the ranking, someone is going to test that. So I think we should cool it with the whole, like he's going to fight for... A champ, you know, a championship yet because you just haven't seen how he reacts to someone that can wrestle fuck him and has the cardio to do so. Yeah. I say test him. I think Fazib should be tested by a wrestler and see where he's at right now. So with that being said, who would I give him? Who would I give him? Why not give him Gregor Gillespie? Okay. Why not let him see how he does with somebody that's going to throw his punches and keep him on the ground and see how he does with getting back on his feet and scrambling? That's what are, I want to say. Are you suggesting Gregor Gillespie because he is, where is he in the ranking? Because I just want to see. Number 10. Right. Okay. Right. You're put. See? Damn. See? You're, you're dropping him see? straight into the lion's den. Why okay. not? Everybody, everybody's calling for it. But if not, Greg, let's say that's too much of the lion's den. I think Brad Riddell would, might be a good test for him. Or maybe right. even Diego Fiera because Diego's mm. got that jujitsu like, he needs to be tested again, but also not forced, like you said, up the rankings too much. Yes. yes. You know, and Bobby Green, you can pair him up with anybody. You know, he's just a fun fighter. He's here just to have fun with us, Steffi. So give him anybody, girl. Like you can give him Diego Fierro. You can any, even Brad Riddell and Bobby Green. How much fucking fun would that be? You so, know, Rafael Alves was supposed to uh, be clashing Mark D. Casey on the fourth of September. That fight. Uh -oh. is yeah. I would like to see Bobby Green, Mark D. Casey. Imagine. That would be good. Yeah. So there you go, Steffi. Props oh, to Steffi. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know. Steffi was killing the game. And she listens to our show pretty consistently, like the same way I listen to hers. So y'all listen to Steffi. And her show on Bloody Elbow and look out for them. And thank you, Steph, for the questions. Yeah. Um, let's see if I can Props. let's see if I can fit any more in. Let's see. Everybody wants to talk about Luke. Da 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 da. I think we're I think we're good, Mike. I think um I had a question for I had a question for you, but I, I threw it at you earlier in the day. I've got one so, for you. Oh yes, what let's do we go. Do with Vicente Luque next. Oh my god, um Shay, um Shay MMA just asked that. Oh, okay. Shout out to her. Yes. Luke, um, right? So um, thank you, Shay. Thank you, Mike. Um, Luke, what is he? Number six? How do you feel about Luke fighting his friend Gilbert Burns or Leon Edwards? It, it's funny you, you mentioned that because 
he is obviously now in title contention and really intrigued the yep. to that would be Gilbert Burns and Leon Edwards. I've got a Thank problem, you. obviously, the fact that the Gilbert Burns was cornering him and there would be a team rivalry there. Yeah. Exist, you'd have to really stoke that. You'd have to kind of instigate something, which I don't think they'd be too keen on. Leon Edwards, I think, is a good shout because we need to keep Leon Edwards busy. He's fought once in, what, nearly 24 months. Yeah. Like, his uh, his funds being relatively low, but saying that he recently just bought his mum a Mercedes, so um, I don't Did think, he? yeah, I don't think it's that low. How's about Jorge Masvidal? Because he's, he's he's clashed Leon Edwards before Vicente Luque. How about Jorge Masvidal? Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm thinking um, run Leon Edwards um, again because Leon is like right there like he should be fighting for a title luke is number six right like you can't go down with luke so i didn't think jorge but jorge's seven luke's six that's actually pretty perfect and jorge said he's down to fight anybody that gives him another shot at the Mm. and let me tell you jorge is no slouch on the ground either i mean we love his unpredictability with his striking and whatnot but his jujitsu defense is really good Damian Maya said that some of the best jiu-jitsu defense he ever had in a fight was Jorge Masvidal. Ah. So don't sleep on that. Don't sleep on that with when it goes to the ground against Luque. Mm-hmm. However, I think that's a great fight. And I just think Luque needs to go up from here or only one down, which is Jorge Masvidal. Your suggestion yeah. rocks. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're at the end of the WOCast and we'll be back midweek with Shots Fired with the Gents. The, yes. uh, the 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 men, the myths, and the legends. Um, the the arguing, the family, and the yeah, <laughs> and the beef. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Until then, stay safe. Later.